Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Hey, can I have all y'all stand up? I'm so excited about today. How many of y'all have a, a, a problem in your life, a trial, anything that's negative? Just raise your hand really here. Raise both hands if it's really bad or really bad. <laughs> Leave your hands up for a second. Leave your hands up for a second. So, I want you to think about it today. I don't want you to put, I don't want, I want, I don't want you to think, well, let me, let me just forget about it for an hour. I want you to think about it because especially right in this moment, we are going to praise God for who he is in the midst of your problem. All right. Because if you stop thinking about it, it's still there. Right. So we're going to put it right in front of us and say, Lord, here it is. And we're going to praise you because you're above it, more powerful than it. And you're going to get us through it. Can I get amen? So let's take 30 seconds and praise God for who he is. Come on. Amen. Amen. Say, I will not be defeated. Amen. Stay standing just for one second. We want to welcome all the campuses. I got a couple of announcements. Um, we've been serving the community since day one, uh, 19 years. Last year we did $4.6 million of volunteer service in San Diego, uh, the equivalent of 121 full-time employees. Uh, through people in our churches volunteering in the community. And that wasn't even all that we, me that we did. It's just what we measured and told the mayor. Every year we get the mayor report and say, here's what we're doing in San Diego. And that was just in San Diego City. That wasn't the, the other uh, cities outside of San Diego. Uh, and so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this, this past weekend, this, this weekend, we had a conference. We had pastors and, and, and community um, uh, organizations from 89 cities come here. Um, and and we, we did a panel. I, I taught about being a do-something church. Um, we have an outreach philosophy about being a do-something church where we count the pain in our city. How many prostitutes, how many homeless, how many convalescent homes. We walk to them. We ask them how we can serve, and then we love them. Um, and, and we also interviewed uh, the mayor from East County, the police chief, the DA, to show these passes, you can actually work with your city. And so we, it was an amazing weekend, and, and we're going to do it every year. Um, I can't encourage you enough to do more than just come here, get in a D group, start serving, because we are way more than this service. And, and so I want to give a shout-out to all the people on our staff and, and the team members who put that on. Can you all just give them a real round of applause for doing that? Amen. And if you, if you come here and you kind of feel like, man, he's always asking us to do something, absolutely. <laughs> At, don't, that, that's not like you're kind of wondering that. Straight up, let's go. We got to do more than this. Um, uh, so therefore, uh, there is, um, has been an initiative in San Diego called Saturate San Diego where an organization has provided the Jesus film in many languages on a, on a DVD to give out to every single home in San Diego that they would get the gospel in multiple languages. And we are going to take on 60,000 homes that we're going to hand deliver. We're going to hand deliver this packet. And in this packet, it's going to be this DVD. It's going to be uh, a, the gospel track on how to get saved. And it's going to be a flyer and an invitation to our At The Movie series. And so I would love for all of you, by the way, all of you, say all of you. To, to sign up at Saturate, you text Saturate to 52525. Saturate the 52525 and you will go and, and, and they'll give you information about when we're going to pack these. We're going to have packing days to pack 60,000 and then delivery days. We're going to walk the streets and we're going to go to your homes in your neighborhood. So we have two zip codes for Point Loma and one zip code for every other campus. And we're just going to get every single home. Say every home. Every home. Say every home. Every home. Amen. Amen. 
So uh, text saturate to 52525 and we'll get the word out. So uh, let's pray. Let's get on our knees today. Now, uh, I want you to think about your problem today. And I want you, and here's what we're going to do. You know, I came here to forget about it. No, you came here to defeat it. <laughs> we're going to shine a light on it. The, the light of the Lord. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I pray you encourage us. Thank you so, for being so good to us. Uh, bless us. Encourage us. Lord, give us a different lens through which to look at our problem. Help us to see it as you see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's going to encourage you today. Okay, let's see your Bibles on the count of three. One, two, three, say word. I beat you to it. I beat you to it. Turn to, turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. This is the oldest book in the Bible. The oldest document in the Bible. Job chapter 1. Um, I have two brothers and two sisters. And my youngest brother was a Heisman runner-up in 1987. Played at Syracuse University. They were undefeated that year. Um, he would have, um, they played in the Sugar Bowl in 1987. And if you don't know college football, um, he was the number one quarterback in the, in the country. The Sugar Bowl was a bowl game that was a New Year's weekend if you will, and those four major bowl games, when they play, no one else is playing. So the, everybody who watches football, especially college football, is watching this game. Millions of fans, millions of people watching on TV, millions of dollars, and, and it's a very big deal. And they hadn't been to a bowl game in a while. My brother was Heisman runner-up, so Heisman is the best player in the nation. He also won the Maxwell Award, which is the best player, and he won all the best quarterback awards that year. So he was a big cheese. Are you following what I'm saying? I went to a Division III school, I was nothing. Relatively speaking, relatively speaking. We, we had 500 people at one of my games, 500. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 15. 15 people at one of my games, it rained so hard. It was my mother, my father, my sister. No, this is a true story, we had 15 people. It was in the newspaper, it was, it was a record-setting low attendance. So anyway, so we go to, you know, it's a big deal. My, my family, we all go to, to New Orleans, to the Sugar Bowl. Um, and I get to the hotel and the... Um, the, someone from the university comes up to me in the hotel and says, hey, we don't have a room for your dad. Now, you have to understand, my brother is, they're not at this game without him, period. They just retired his jersey, he's Hall of Fame in the school, blah, 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 blah. And he says, we don't have a room for your dad. I said, look, my, my father has a licensed firearm. He's a police officer in New York City. <laughs> you won't have a game if he doesn't have a room. I, I, and I said that to him straight up, there will not be a game. You will have to call NBC and cancel the game. You need to get a room. Anyway, they got him a suite. Uh, he, <laughs> true story. So he, and I told him what happened, he was fuming because of all the drama that he, my son, my brother had been through in, in his time there, good and bad, but you know, the bad stuff. And so anyway, we're now going into the game and 
were standing in line in the rain, and the whole time we're standing in line in the rain to get to Will's call to get our tickets. He's just fuming. They better have my tickets. They better have my tickets. I said, Dad, they're going to have our tickets. They better. And he's just, I'm like having to calm him down. This is like the biggest game of my son's life, my brother's life. And it's a big deal. He's like, he's so distracted with them not having his tickets. I'm like, Dad, they're going to have our tickets. We get to the thing, and, and they have our tickets. And we look over, and there's this lady that's crying behind the table where they, it was, where they gave the tickets out. So I said, Dad, let's, let's go see what's going on with her. And we went over to her and said, what happened? She said, they didn't have our tickets. There was 10 of them. They didn't have their tickets. Now you fly there, you save all this money. And we said, look, literally, this is a true story. Uh, most of the stuff I tell you is true. If, if I'm telling you a lie, I'll let you know this is true. <laughs> she had tears on her cheeks. This is a true story. Tears on her cheeks. And we said, what's going on? And she said, they don't have our tickets. There's 10 of us. We came from all over the country and they don't have our tickets. And we said, we're Don McPherson's family. And the tears just disappeared. (laughs) And she went, we said, you stay right here. We're going to get you 10 tickets. And the security guard was standing. We said, listen, go away. And we went to all the people, the parents, we got our 10 tickets, they got in and they went to the game. It was great. Now here's my my point of saying, a lot of times we worry about what may happen. All of y'all are going through stuff. You raise your hand and most likely you are worrying about something that may never happen instead of celebrating what is already happening. You are already blessed. Listen, if that guy didn't have the tickets, I'm like, look, look, we're getting in this game. Dad, I will get, we're getting in this game. Your son is the quarterback of the team. We're getting in the game. And he's so stressed about what may not ever happen. And if we would stop and stop looking at and focusing on we, what might happen and worship and celebrate what God has already done in your life. Look at, look, at, look at your lesson plan. Three very simple things. And before we read the story, I just want to read these three things. Worship God because of what, because you're already blessed. You're already blessed. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what it is. But I guarantee you God has blessed you more than that problem already. Can I get amen? Focus on that. Say, God, I don't know what's going on with this situation. I don't know what's going on with this situation. But what I do know <laughs> is that I'm already blessed. I have family, I got a job, job, or or, or I I got food, or I got opportunity, I got friends, I got health, I got breath in my lungs. I have history. Two weeks ago we talked about when bad things happen, dwell on the past. God, you got me through some amazing things in the past. Can I get an amen? And so, so worship God for what? That you are already blessed. Number two, worship him because your victory is secured. Guess what? When you die, you go to heaven. When I die, I'm going to heaven. How many of y'all are going to heaven? Okay, by the way, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? Okay, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end. You're going to heaven. How many of y'all remember being in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and so-and-so wouldn't be your friend? So-and-so didn't ask you to the dance. And you couldn't dance anyway, but you still wanted to go. And you were tripping. Can I get amen? You can't remember that fool's name now. I'm not saying they're a fool, but you get what I'm saying. Number three, worship him because he has an outcome, blessed outcome for you. Even in this situation. God 
is going to turn what the devil meant for evil into something amazing for your life. Can I get amen? Now, in this story, in this story we're going to look at is Job. And you might have heard the story. Job was a, was a guy who was very blessed. He, he walked with God. He was a righteous man. And the devil's going to come and have a conversation with God. And the devil's going to say, hey, can I do this to Job? And God's going to give the devil permission to beat up Job. And you're like, I don't get that. You know, sometimes you will never understand God's ways. You, what you have to understand is that God loves you. You have to understand that God always gets you through and there are going to be some things you won't understand maybe ever. I don't even know if when you get to heaven, he's going to explain it to you. He may say, you just have to trust me. Matter of fact, it's just my opinion that when you see God in heaven, you're going to go, we're good. <laughs> we're good. I, I'm, I'm not coming here to question you. You're, you're holy God. I get it. I get it. I get it. And so in this story, you're going to read it. You may even go, I don't understand. I don't understand. Don't trip on what you don't understand. Worship God for what you do understand. When, they, when you go, I'm, I'm getting ready to get on a plane tomorrow. When I go, get to go to the airport, I give them my bags. And they put a little piece of paper around the handle with some black lines on it. And they go, bloop, and they take the bag. And I have no idea how that bag is going to end up where I'm going. I really don't. I know it's going to go on a conveyor belt, and I'm not going to see it again. I don't know how many people are going to touch it. I don't know if it's going to be in a cart, a truck, a car. Someone's going to carry it. Someone's going to go through it with it and, and try to steal stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know on the other, the other end, I'm going to stand, and there's going to be a hole in the floor, and this, this thing's going to be moving, and it's going to come out. I'm like, there it is. I'm not tripping on what I don't know. I'm tripping on what I know. That my bag came out the other side. Are you following what I'm saying? The devil wants you tripping on what you don't even know, what you don't even understand. And so as you read the story, you're going to read all the stuff you don't understand. But in the end, Job is going to say, I worship God. I worship God. I don't get it. God gives, God takes. Why did God give me this body? I don't know. Why did God give me my family? I don't know. Why did God have me be born in this country and not that country? Don't take for granted you've been born in the United States of America. Don't look at other people in other countries and look down on them because they're worse because they're over there. Because you had nothing to do with being born here. They had nothing to do with being born there. Or did you live in this neighborhood versus this neighborhood? Or did you have these parents versus these parents? Or you had this opportunity versus this opportunity? Thank God for what you have. Thank God for what you have. Let's read the story. Uh, in preparation for the story, everybody do this for me on three. Count of three. Just do that right there. One, two, three. Okay, I'm going to say Job was a good man. So when I say Job was a good man, I want you to put your shoulders up. Job was a good man. One, two, three. Job was a good man. Say it with me. Job was a good man. One more time. Job was a very good. One more time. Job was a good man. Very good. So here's Job. He's a good man. He got 10 kids. He got all these sheep, camels, cattle, blah, blah, blah. And he is blessed, a righteous man. And he is going to have all hell break loose in his life at the permission of God. Ah. At the permission of God. Ah. Well, how could God do this and how could God? I don't know. Well, God can do whatever he wants. But remember, in the end, you're always blessed. In the end, God is always right. Look what it says in chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz. Everyone say Uz. Whose name was Job, and Job was blameless and upright. Everyone say, Job was a good man. On three, one, two, three. Job was a good man. Let me see those shoulders. Job was a good man, and he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. So he had ten kids. So him and his wife got along great. 
Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, <coughs> five, <coughs> excuse me, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household so that this man was greatest of all the people of the east. Whenever you read the Bible, one of the ways to age the uh, story is how they measure wealth. And in this case, they measured wealth by his animals. They didn't have any gold, so they measured wealth by his animals. So he had all these sheep and oxen and camels, and ten kids, and he was a righteous man. God blessed him. By the way, there's nothing wrong with being rich. God will bless you with riches. That is God's prerogative. Enjoy it. Honor him with it. Bless him with it. Amen. And then it says, and his sons would go, verse 4, and feast in their houses on each appointed day and would send and invite three, their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So the kids got along great. So he had ten kids. He had all this wealth. The kids got along. He shunned evil. He was righteous. And so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, rise early in the morning, and offer burnt offerings according to the number of his kids. For Job said, it may be that one of my six kids sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And he did on a regular basis. Let me context. He got ten kids. He got all this wealth. He, he, he shuns evil, gives the evil to Heisman. He worships God. And he says when the kids got together, he would say, let me go sacrifice animals because it may be that one of my kids cursed God. Please, God, forgive what my, one of my kids might have done. Have any of y'all ever done that? You ever go in the back and sacrifice some cats and dogs just because of what your kids might have done? I, I didn't think so. Okay. This is, this, this is a righteous brother. I mean, I mean, how many of us would even say, dear God, I, I, I forgive my kids for what they might have done. I don't even know how many of you would even say that. But just hypothetically, this guy is a righteous man. Can I get amen? Can I get amen? And then something bad is going to happen to him. Don't ever equate what happens to you with your righteousness. <laughs> well, this is happening, so God must be mad at me. <laughs> no. God loves you. He loves you. That doesn't change. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? So God has a staff meeting and then all of a sudden Satan infiltrates the meeting. It's like, what's up? What you doing over there? Where'd you come from? He says, I was walking to an afro on the earth. <laughs> Remember we talked about afro being round, the earth being round. He was walking around the earth back and forth. Don't think the devil ain't walking around this earth like a roaring lion looking to whom he may devour. What sucker can I get today? And by the way, if you ever think the devil's after you, his demons will be after you. He doesn't waste his time with people like us. He's at higher levels. He controls governments. He controls thought process, economies. His demons who are way plenty powerful enough to destroy us, they're the ones who mess with us. So he's walking around thinking, who can I destroy? And then it says, Verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now, I hope God never has this conversation with the devil about me. I don't want to be that guy. Can I get an amen? God, I'm not that holy, so don't send that brother after me. <laughs> However, if you feel like you're getting under spiritual attack, how many of y'all feel like you're under spiritual attack? This tells you, this gives you a little hint. The devil's not going to mess with you. And when I say the devil, demons aren't going to mess with you. If they don't need to. In other words, some people mess up their own life. You don't need a devil's help. 
the devil was sitting on the curb. I made this story up so it's not really true, but you get the picture of it. Uh, I told you, I would tell you when I'm telling you something that's not true. The devil's sitting on the curb and he's crying and, and, and the angel comes over and says, why are you crying? You messed up the whole earth. And he says, Christians are blaming me for stuff I didn't get a chance to do. <laughs> Some of y'all are, oh, the devil's after me, the devil's after me. The, you don't need the devil's help. You did that. By a show of hands and, and don't feel obligated to raise your hand. But how many of you got drama in your life because of something you did? <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> my point. So here's your prayer. Here's your prayer. Dear God, tell me what to do. What do I got to do? If I lied, I got I to say I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's not, this is not rocket science. But we, we create our own drama. But he says, hey, he says, have you considered Job? Here's what he says about, here's what he says to the devil. This is good. He says, devil, you can't trip up my man Job. I don't care what you do. Job is a rock. Job is a rock. Now you're like, I don't like this conversation. <laughs> I don't want to have, I don't want God to do that with me. And look at verse 9. Satan says to the Lord, does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and all that he has on every side? And you bless the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now if you stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, he will curse you to your face. <laughs> Ask yourself this question. When's the last time one of your entitlements, your pleasures was taken from you and you curse God. I can't tell you how many people I talk to, hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah, I used to go to church, but, but what happened? Well, I had this drama in my life. So I stopped going to church. Exactly what the devil said. If you take his job, he will curse you to your face, God. If you take his woman, he will curse you to your face. If his mother dies, he will curse you to your face. The only reason they worship you is because their life is comfortable. When will Jesus be enough? Where no matter what's happening in your life, you worship God. Or is your worship conditional on you being blessed? Only you can answer this question. Because if your worship is conditional, if your joy is conditional on things going good in your eyes, you miss the sight of who God is. So the devil says, God. You take everything Job has and he will curse you to your face. Here's my question to you. What would it take for you to curse God? Your money, your house, your comfort zone, not getting your seat in church, not getting your parking space. How shallow your Christianity. Think about it. You come into the parking lot and you got to go left instead of right. And you get an attitude and the whole, your attitude messes up your whole worship service because you got to go right and, instead of left in the parking lot. You don't get your seat, and you sit there the whole time, you look at the whole, the whole service, you look at your seat. It's my seat. Or I make you kneel down, and you're like, my knees are hurting, it's concrete. What's his brother, will he, will he get to the prayer? Why does he keep talking? Basic, basic, basic. Or, huh, Miles is not here today.
Hey, I get text messages. I get text messages. You going to be in church today? Come and find out. <laughs> Don't ask me that question. Now, 8 o'clock service is, is the one I'm the most consistent because like 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock I may miss because they take this video. So you don't really get that as much than other services. But hey, he's not here. Oh, they got a guest speaker. Oh, like God can only speak through one person? Whew. God forbid. But that would be true. So look what happened. Verse 10. Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and all that he has? You have blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased. Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not touch his body, his person. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You may say, you telling me God gave him permission? Yep. God didn't, God didn't design, gave him permission. You know that God won't let anything happen to you unless it comes through his loving hands and he's going to always always be there, support you through. You're like, I don't understand. You're saying he let this happen, let this happen, let this happen. Don't trip on what you don't understand. Worship what you do understand. That God is faithful. He will bless you. He will get you through. He will turn what the devil meant for evil into good. That is the hard thing. We, we especially in America, every culture is different, but especially in America because we, we are so blessed with power in this country. So we, 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 we won't want to know stuff. We want to control stuff. We want to be in charge. And we want to tell me what I got to do. And, and, and we think, well, this is right and this is wrong. And, 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 and so I want to understand. I don't understand because I don't understand. And this is what I think it is. It's wrong. Woo, be careful. Say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. And I know that I don't understand all the ways. Your ways are not my ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so your thoughts are above my thoughts. But I trust you. Even when I think I really know that this is wrong, I still trust you. That is the hardest, a difficult thing to do. But it is 100% biblical because in no situation in your entire life, not one second will you know better than God. So you have to trust him. And, and, and probably one of the most powerful things you can do is when you are going through your trials to make a written journal of what God does through that trial. Look back on all the pain in your life. What did God bring out of that pain? Even those people who have passed away, if they knew the Lord, they are, they're in heaven. You may miss them, but they're way better off than us. We have to have perspective. My parents both died of cancer. They are healed. Amen. Amen. He they got better bodies than me. Yes. And they were in their 80s. Now they got supernatural, supernatural, supernatural beings in heaven with the Lord. To be present, out of from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have no idea how awesome that is. So even what we think, God says, don't. Complain about what you think you know. Worship me based on what you know. And so look what happened, verse 13. And by the way, if you ever wondered, uh, question the reality of the devil, think about the devil as strategic, intelligent evil. 
The reason I say that, when I read this passage, I want you to notice the strategic element of what the devil does to compound the pain in Job's life and to maximize the opportunity for Job to curse God. And I'm going to say it again. I want you to notice the strategic timing of the devil's evil with the intent to maximize the pain in Job's life to ensure, and he's in his own mind, that Job is going to curse God. The devil understands how to press your buttons. <clears throat> the devil understands how to get under your skin, when and how. And by the way, the devil speaks three times in the Bible. He speaks in Genesis 1, or 3, Job 1 and 2, and in Matthew chapter 4. And every time the devil speaks, he's trying to do one thing, destroy the relationship between man and God. He's not trying to get you to sin. He's trying to destroy a relationship between man and God. In Genesis, he told Adam and Eve, God lied to you. In Job, he's telling God, Job is playing you. And in Matthew, he told the God man, worship me and deny your father. He's trying to destroy relationship. He's trying to destroy relationship. Everyone say relationship. In relationship is trust. He's trying to break that relationship. He's not trying to get you to sin. He's trying to break relationship, trust. And so he's telling God, God, Job is using you. And God says, I know everything, so therefore you can't trick me. I know Job is not using me, and I approve it. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. And you're like, that's not fair to Job. Well, you have to read the whole story. <laughs> so I want you to watch how strategic the devil is. He's going to go boom, 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 boom to maximize. And then he's going to go, God, watch Job curse you. And we're going to see what Job's going to say. This is you. Put yourself in the story. Verse 13. There was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking. Another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking. Another came and said the Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away. And yes, killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from the, across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people. And they are all dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, I want you to think about this. Job is sitting in his house watching football. He's watching, watching college football. And he's got, he's got his ox and donkeys over here. He's got his sheep over here. He's got his camels over here. And he's got his kids over here. And all his property, thousands of sheep and animals and, and all these servants. And, and, and then the Sabaeans come and they kill the ox and the donkeys. They take everything. And they kill all the servants except one guy. So that one guy can run and tell Job the bad news. At the same time, the Chaldeans come and they kick all the camels and all the servants and kill all the servants except one guy. So that one guy can come and tell Job the bad news. At the same time, the fire from heaven comes and it kills up all the sheep and, and all the servants except one guy. And that one guy comes and runs and tell, and to tell Job. At the same time, the wind comes and knocks down the house and kills all his kids and all his servants, the servants of his kids, except one guy. And that guy comes running. So Job is sitting there watching TV. He is blessed. He's praising God. And this one guy comes running. Job, 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 Job. Sabines came and they took off the ox. And while the words are coming out of his mouth, Job, 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 the fire God came down and he killed all the sheep. And while the words are coming out of his mouth, Job, 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 the, the Chaldeans came and he took all the camels. And while the words are coming out of his mouth, Job, 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 your kids are dead. And the devil's like this. Watch this. He's going to curse you. Now, before I get to what, what Job said, 
What's your problem? I'm not saying it's not difficult. This is difficult. I can't imagine Job lost everything except his wife. And based on chapter 2, it would have been better that she got taken out. <laughs> you have to read chapter 2 to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying just because she's his wife, but based on what she said. You just have to read chapter 2. But one point. <laughs> That's the devil's scheme. He left that one <laughs> to compound the problem. <laughs> It's not a lady thing, it's just his wife thing. <laughs> Verse 20, Job rose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and he worshipped. When bad things happen, worship. Go home today. Don't sit there and sulk and drown your fears and your pain with drugs or whatever or your vice. Worship God for who he is. God is not good only when you're happy. And God is not good only when you're blessed in your eyes. God is good. Period. Go home and worship. No matter what other people are saying, get those people out of your ear chirping. Oh, God, this, and you're a Christian in the Bible. What's God doing for you now? No, no. I'm a worship. Because I don't understand everything. And look what he says. Naked I came to my mother's womb, from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. How many of you were born with a wallet full of money? <laughs> Raise your hand, please. How many of y'all were born with a job? Raise your hand, please. How many of you were born with hair? <laughs> and that hair was so thin it could have blew it off your head. How many of you were born with a wife or a husband or friends? You had nothing. You had a family that loved you. Maybe, maybe. Job said, you know what? Naked I came and naked I'm going back. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. If you think what is yours, God hasn't given it to you, reassess. Blessed be the name of God. And in all this, Job didn't blame God for anything. Wrong. Why don't you all bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, just about everybody in here said they had a, a problem. And in our head, we justify being mad and angry and frustrated. We justify our position. We complain to you. But we need to worship. We need to thank you. We need to honor you. There are some of you in here, you need to worship God, which is a response of respect, is the definition of worship. By saying, God, I trust you. No matter what is going on in my life, especially that I, that I don't understand, I trust you. I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to surrender my burden to you. I'm going to surrender my vain imaginations to you, my automatic negative thoughts. I'm giving it all to you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. Some of you, you need to give your life to Christ, but there are a lot of you in here potentially say, I just need prayer. I need to surrender my thought process, my burden, 
I cannot do this by myself. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. It's a prayer. As an act of worship to God, of surrender, prayer of surrender. Say, dear God, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand the pain. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem bearable. But I trust you. Everything I have is yours. I am blessed. I have a blessed outcome. I look forward to being with you. So I surrender my pain, my burden at the foot of the cross. Jesus, I lay my life in your hands. I lay my burden in your hands. Thank you for your faithfulness in my life. As our eyes are closed and heads about, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. There are many of you who have prayed that prayer, you're saying, well, I'm not saved. I'm already saved. It's okay. We want to encourage you. It's time for you to take a bold stand to stand up for God in the face of your drama and tell the devil that no matter what he does and says, you will never turn your back on God. You will worship him through thick and thin. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. And in standing, you are taking a stand for your faithful trust and reliance on the power of God in your life. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to stand up. And you are going to stand against the discouragement the devil's been placing on your head, on your heart, on your family, on your life, on your job. On the count of three. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. 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 